If they bite you, you turn into a zombie. Okay. That's the rule. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not risking it, by the way. If you get bit by a zombie, I shovel to the brains. You and my mama. Anybody get bit by a zombie in my apocalypse, I don't wait around. I don't start a timer. You're done. Okay. Okay. Well, no, I think it's important we're clear. It's kind of a first date speech for me usually. <laughs> History. I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. History. I'd like to frankly. I want to know. Hi. Welcome to Hilf. History I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody. And this episode is the Hilf of horror movies. And I am joined by Jose Barrientos. He is a comedian and a professional hacker and a huge horror fan. <laughs> and now horror movies have been around since the dawn of film, all right? And they continue to be a favorite genre for people around the world. And many of your favorite scary movies were books first, right? From Frankenstein, Jaws, Carrie. But horror films are also their own thing. Right? They are a visual medium, often propelled by music, that taps into whatever is the most frightening from our current zeitgeist, and then, boo, oh, the popcorn goes everywhere, and if you're lucky, you cop a feel. <laughs> so join Jose and I as we go decade by decade over the last hundred-ish years of film and talk about what made us jump and why. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I know that I am dangerously close here to the present for a history podcast, and I'm a little worried that some of you are going to feel slighted or offended because of a movie that either does or doesn't make one of my lists. And if so, I just want to say, fucking relax. All right, get your own podcast. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> oh, campers, let's buckle up for the hilth of horror movies. <laughs> I am over the moon to have as my guest today, Jose Barrientos. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I know I've plied you with jasmine tea. It's the best jasmine tea I've ever had. You're gonna be putty in my hands. Oh, putty in yeah. my hands. What's in this tea? <laughs> I'll tell you in about an hour and a half. I'll let you know. Were you always a dragon? Because I just, I feel. Yeah, I mean, deep down. <laughs> Jose Barrientos is a comedian. This is how we know each other anyway. But you are also a hacker, yes. which fantastic, the best job in the world. But it seems to me as I've, as I've known you mm. and as I've researched you, that you're kind of more of a high-tech prankster than a hacker, even though you are capable of, like, changing the direction of a satellite. <laughs> Mostly you just, like, fuck with your friend's phones. Uh, yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really interesting because I think people come about... So I am actually, by career, I am a professional hacker. That's what mm -hmm. I do. So, so explain, explain more about how, how that works, who employs you, and what you do exactly. Okay, so I'm not allowed to say what company I work for uh, in public, <laughs> public forum. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, what I will say, which sounds even creepier, uh, I spent a year in D.C. working for the government as a federal contractor. And so a job description would be that I had to hack into federal organizations, and then when we do physical operations like pick locks, you know, impersonate FedEx guys, you know, swindle my way in beat like metal detectors and stuff like that just to see how far I can get. And then once we get remote access, we exfiltrate a little bit of data, not enough to be compromisable to prove that their security posture is garbage. Uh, it's garbage for you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of what my day job is. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And if your stand-up comedy reflects reality, mm -hmm. 
you got this job because you got busted mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. hacking kind of amateurishly out of your mother's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it all starts that way. Um, and, and, and actually, it, it's funny because, well, I, people are like, what, are you a comedian and a hacker? But we're very similar. Uh-huh. The only difference is the level of social anxiety. No, I'm serious. Because what you're doing is you're taking something, a premise, you see how it works. And then once you really understand it, you can shift it to do something different. Mm. That's all hacking is. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know enough about computers that I know what to do to make them do something they're not supposed to do. Uh-huh. So, you know, and that's what we're doing with language. We're just, yeah. we're just taking a narrative and switching it to make it funny. Yeah. Similar algorithm to horror, by the way. Twist the exactly. expectation. Exactly. And, exactly. And horror and comedy, as we're going to discuss, have been holding hands mm-hmm. really since the very beginning. <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with spooky stuff. Do you, are you generally a, 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 a purveyor of spooky things? Purveyor of spooky things. Like in, video games, books. I love all things spooky. Um, and, and I read, like Stephen King was, is probably one of my favorite authors and, uh, you know, some of the older stuff as well. But, uh, but I grew up in a Hispanic household. And so like the occult and things that are creepy are very real and part of our culture. Mm -hmm. So like there are legitimate uh, stories in my family about like duendes. And it's like, well, let's be real here. (laughs) But but they swear. I do like spooky stuff and I really like scary movies. Mm. Um, But I like them so much they have um, the effect that they are intended to have on me long after it's over. Mm. So I have to be very careful <laughs> about when I consume um, f- fiction, all got books, films, t- TV shows. I Like, for example, zombies. I got a thing for zombies. They've been scared the shit out of me. They've always been the scariest thing. You drag a leg and act like the undead for a, a heartbeat too long with me, mm-hmm. and I am shoveling your brains. must be terrifying for you to live here in L.A. It is. A lot of dr- dragon feet, a lot of mumbling. I have to be on my guard constantly. <laughs> Um, and I asked you, uh, leading up to this horror film, Hilth, mm-hmm. um, what was your favorite horror movie? And you shot back an answer like, bam. Yeah. It is. Yes. It's the fourth kind. The yeah. fourth kind. You didn't flinch. No. Uh, 2009, mm. Mila Jovovich. Can't, yeah. And I'm going to try as often as I can to mm. give very brief plot descriptions of the movies in case people haven't seen them. So the fourth kind oh. is uh, uh, Nome, Alaska. Mm-hmm. found footage-esque, kind of this is based on a true story. Mila Jovovich comes out like, I am the woman that this really happened to. And it's about a psychologist whose patients appear to have been abducted by aliens. Yes. Generally, I, that's the plot. Oh, and it's it's a really good lead-in because each uh, patient that she has keeps describing an owl at their window. And then when they describe it, it's this like being that's sort of like pale with big black eyes, the mm-hmm. way that you would expect an owl to be. But it, soon you find out that it's not an owl. I watched this film while I was in ba- uh, Baghdad, uh, Iraq, by myself. Oh. And it, it frightened the shit. It was so bad that I couldn't sleep. And I, uh, I, I just broke out my laptop and I went to the website that discusses this film. And I was like, no way an owl could carry a grown person. <laughs> they were like, buddy, it's not owls. <laughs> and I did that to cheer myself up so I could get to bed. But um, yeah, it just it had such a profound effect on me. And I, I can't tell you why. It just I have this sort of 
it almost because you were alone <laughs> yeah in baghdad is that where you were i was there yeah i mean that's like you i don't know how why i would have been watching when harry met sally if i'm alone <laughs> in baghdad it sounds to me like you kind of did this to yourself oh yeah no with that, well it's, it's funny my ex-girlfriend used to work in the movie industry or i guess in a way still does but anyway she said like uh i was telling her i love horror and she goes yeah yeah your people are the target demographic for that and i was like my people and she's like hispanics yeah they're like they are the most people who watch these things. And oh, so I was hilarious. Because like, well, growing up, that's what we that did. Was, we yeah. rented scary movies. But um, yeah, no, I, I watched that film there and uh, it just, but it wasn't the it wasn't the only scary film I saw out there. I saw a lot and, and you know, they were spooky. I was like, whatever. But that one stayed with me for like a week. Yeah. My favorite horror movie, this was so hard for me. I was a little depressed. When I asked you, what's your favorite movie? You came back so quick with one because I was like, maybe he'll do me a solid and be like, well, my top three. Mm-hmm. Or when I was like, I could throw him a bone if this is too hard of a question to answer. And you just were like, ooh, the fourth kind. Boy, that one really got me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn it. That means I have to answer with my one. Mm. <sighs> you can give me a few. Don't give me that. Okay. No, don't give me that out. I'm fi- I made the rule. <laughs> Just like in a good horror movie, I've made the rule. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original 1984. I was in middle school at a slumber party <laughs> when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. I love Johnny Depp. I mean... I'm a and he wears that little half shirt. Oh my god! That's true. Until the bed swallows. Oh my god! That's how he's sexy so dewy. He is. He's just doughy. He's <laughs> just doughy. like a little croissant in a in a belly shirt. <laughs> I would have. You want to see a river of blood? I would have. I, I would have broken him in half and made a river of blood. Mm. In any event, <laughs> dear diary. In any event, that was before. <laughs> Before I really had activated that aspect, I mm. was goddamn terrified. I couldn't so much as look at the creases of the cushions mm. on the couch I was sitting on. You know what I mean? It was so scary. <laughs> I stayed up all night. I'm not sleeping. No, I mean, we, and I just stared at the bay window of my friend Monica's house, waiting for the sky to show some shade of daylight. It was fantastic, you know? Yeah. And Freddy Krueger is funny. Mm. he's got there's funny moments he's mm. kind of irreverent sometimes you know what i mean like michael myers is never funny no. uh, J- jason Voorhees does never does a little bit with the rake <laughs> you know what i mean we're like freddie will give a one-liner and it seems to enjoy his work you've got J- michael myers is the white expressionless mask Jason Voorhees. It's not is an the expressionless hug. mask. No, I know. I know. It does, it's a. Uh, it's a uh, William Shatner. Yeah, that's right. right. Very good. It, but it's. But it, the yeah. reason it scares us is not because it's <laughs> William Shatner. God bless. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she just goes full Shatner. Oh my God! I can't wait. Okay, so we're gonna fuck for the history of horror movies today, Jose. And I want to just start up top by saying that our description, our definition of horror movies for the purposes of this podcast, is broad. Is it a slasher movie? Is it a sci-fi mm. movie? Is it a comedy horror? Was it? If it's designed to give you a scare, mm. it fits. Perfect. Does it scare you and make you laugh? Does it scare you via an alien? It's not my concern. <laughs> um, and I want to tell you, first of all, about my sources. As mm. you know, I'm a historian. I mm. do my research. And this is the primary source of research for this episode. It is Whoa. called Lost in the Dark by Brad Weissman, History of Film from Around the World. Feel free to leaf through it if you're interested or not. I it's am. up to you. Um, there's great photos. I, as you, I write I like all over notes. my books. I write all over my books. <laughs> this I, I open to page seven, and there's text obviously but there's right in the side just says horror boom (laughs) (laughs) i do if anyone ever borrows a book from me know that i write in the margins i circle i I. I underline so do i it's one of the reasons why i have a very difficult time with (laughs) e-readers 
because I can't do my thing. So that is my primary source of research. It is a joy to read. In addition to this fantastic book, there are some amazing documentaries out there, of course, behind the scenes and making ofs of some of your favorite movies. And I highly recommend on Netflix, there is a slew of documentaries under the Made Us series. So it's like the movies that made us, the toys Mm -hmm. that made us. Mm -hmm. And they have in their season a bunch of these classic horror movies. And it's great interviews with the stars, the creators, the special effects designers. You get these amazing behind the scenes stories and unknown stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's a bubblegum documentary. So the, the, there's like a crazy voiceover that'll be like, but things didn't quite work out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like, saw the Home Alone one, which was really <laughs> oh, good. Oh yeah, that one was really good. I watched mm. that one too. Um, so in addition to the book and to a couple of documentaries, I also grew up in the eighties hmm. in the middle of the woods. Mm. So I feel like I just have like an, a connection to horror movies that is sort of <laughs> implied. Um, so what we're going to do is that we're going to start with just kind of fear in general, very basic stuff about what scares us and why, because we've been scaring each other since the dawn of time. You mentioned when we first started talking about why we skydive, why mm. we do these physical things that put us in danger, because fear is useful mm. for us. We like to scare each other and we like to be scared. Some examples include the church. And I don't just mean the Christian church, although they scary girl. I mean, a lot of organized religion, it's sort of a transaction of we'll scare you. Sure. And you want to be scared to help you live better. It's going to keep this fear will instill in you a useful goodness or make you live right, right? Mm. Psychologically, fear is really important. It's, it's rehearsal mm. for uh, traumas yet to come. And it is a way of processing traumas that have been Hmm. we know this since long before modern psychology that it's a really functional i'm sure that there was you know pretending to be a mastodon in the caves (laughs) (laughs) gotcha (laughs) (laughs) the the old is there a saber tooth in this thing or not yeah could be Um, i feel like fear is so important i mean we all have that dream of falling yeah which we were tree dwellers so like fear of heights Mm. was important or that something is chasing you Mm -hmm. and you got to run away from it Mm -hmm. so it must have been that important that it was imprinted in dream form and past long ancestors amazing amazing and short of food and sex Mm -hmm. it is something we just seek out we keep looking for things that frighten us and things that frighten each other and pushing these limits and Mm. once your heart leaps then you know you've done it right Mm -hmm. which also makes it a commodity fiction Right, mm. fiction. For however, fiction is coming to human beings. Horror and fear and things designed to scare you have been a critical part of that fiction. Mm. Film, however, is really new. So, mm. if scaring each other is as old as human communication, mm. film is give or take a hundred years old. Sound in film is less than a hundred years old. Mm. So what we're gonna do for this is we're gonna talk about film specifically and how film has scared us in ways that other fiction has not. Mm. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go from the very first horror movie ever made, Mm. decade by decade, we're gonna stop on the films that epitomize that historical time, the film that really seems to be speaking to like the zeitgeist of fear of that particular era, hmm. um, or movies that you and I just love, right? or like changed the way film was made or, or otherwise kind of deserve a highlight. Indeed. So as we go, if I touch on a film that like t- curls your toes, stop me. Perfect. Because chances are I know more about it than you want to hear unprovoked. <laughs> um, so you talked about books that you like, scary stuff in general. Mm-hmm. What were some of the scariest books you remember reading? Misery is the first and only book that ever made me jump. Really? Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah, so uh, a nod to King there. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, that, oh man. I mean, I've read a lot of King. Uh, I mm. mean, it's not saying much because he's got a ridiculous catalog, right? Um, and in particular, there's also stuff in Spanish that I read early mm. on. So my mom had this thing where uh, she wouldn't buy me any toys. <laughs> but if I wanted a book, she'd go and get it for me, regardless of age or language restrictions of any kind. So naturally, a lot of, uh, no, I'm kidding. I was about to say a lot of romance novels. <laughs> She's like, oh, this book was written by Amanda Nekanda? Okay, I'll get it for Okay, you enjoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I read a lot of that. Um, you know, as a kid. And I also had to read the Bible, which is terrifying in certain areas. Totally the first horror novel. Easy. Yeah, novel, she says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> triggered. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why don't we call it a library then? Because it's a collection of books, right? Indeed. Um, but yeah, no, definitely uh, very terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. and, and necessarily so, right? Because yeah. fear motivates, as you, mm -hmm. as, as you uh, remarked. Um, but yeah, I, okay, it's funny because I, I see scary things in weird environments. I read Stephen King's It during basic training. Uh, oh. and and uh to make it more more metal um it was lights out so i had but my i was top bunk next to the fire exit sign so my pages <gasps> were illuminated in red since oh. i'm reading the spooky oh. so yeah so it's hard to be afraid of my drill sergeant when there was a killer clown on yeah. the you're like nice try. <laughs> yeah. why don't you get some big shoes yeah. mr man put you, a rubber nose on it yeah try, let you, let you come out of from the drain I, i'm not scared <laughs> of you yes. i remember the um Scary stories to tell in the dark got me the between the animation and mm -hmm. the stories themselves. I thought that was really creepy, and it was also Stephen Stephen King was this for sure. I was sneaking those off my sister's bookshelf and reading them when I was too young. The reason I bring this up, how books scare you, is a really specific thing hmm. because you are creating all of these images in your mind, and mm -hmm. it is the crafting of the words. It's a literary medium. Mm -hmm. Film, of course, is a visual medium that immediately needs to take what is implied and answer whatever question your conscious or your subconscious gets to play around in. So one of the first examples is Frankenstein, because the Frankenstein novel was, of course, one of the first horror movies. Mm -hmm. And in the novel, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley describes the creature mm -hmm. as being larger than a usual man, having long black hair and mm -hmm. yellow watery eyes. Mm -hmm. That is the only visual description that you get other than knowing he's compiled from the bodies of various corpses. Well, the Schwanstücker was supposed to be enormous. No, that's... <laughs> and he has a 10-foot dick. I mean, that, it's implied. <laughs> it's in a footnote in an old copy. No, that's again Frankenstein If you want to know more reference. about Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, the, the, um, also, my first episode, episode one, is all about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, if you want more about that. But... They had to then in the film, the 1931 film, one of the first things they got to do is put the creature on camera. So they mm. have to answer, fill in all of those things that, depending on the reader, may be more or less scary than what you have already put into your mind, yeah. right? It is, the, it is the conundrum of any book to film situation is the putting a, sticking a pin in this ethereal um, 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 sort of thing um and it's what they do really well and films do it in in of course the ways that we know negative space mm -hmm. so you got your jamie lee curtis sitting front <laughs> foreground sobbing and, and sighing and in that vast blackness on the screen up comes michael myers from right his sleep that's, I hope that's the noise they would use <laughs> it's a very it's a common horror film score oh up he goes you better run bitch i love that um jump scares 
you said you got one from a book, which did, is amazing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but a jump scare in film, just just corresponding a loud noise with a jump cut of the frame, and it gets us every motherfucking time. And sometimes it's like getting tickled, where your body reacts, and before you're even your body's even settled again in your head, you're like, you sons of bitches. Tight frames and close-ups, that, that super tight frame, because what it does for you, the audience, is puts you sort of in the place hmm. of the person it's not the pov shot but you can't see what's behind them either mm. you don't know what's going on in the dark you can't see mm. beyond what they can see and it can be very disjointing um kind of like the opposite of a, of a negative space dissonant music mm-hmm. can build the, even silent film before film had dialogue the music was like a huge part of horror films to mm. like let the audience know that shit was about to happen and then of course evolving technology which we are con- constantly we are still in a place of like i can't believe they were able to render that realistic and horrifying image in such a, a, a you know a tangible way and we, and we continue to to build on that so sure. it's, you know it's film's legacy and it always has been the very first horror film ever 1896 wow can you believe it i thought it was 1920s i went into this i was like it's nosferatu that's got to be the first horror movie turns out mm. 1896 it's a french film called the haunted castle it's about three and a half minutes long and it's a little spooky Is it's it? funny it's got a little kind of fun stuff in it but it's uh, skeletons appear and disappear and a guy thinks he's holding someone's hand but they're actually dead like it'll get you it's huh. fun but also kind of got a little tongue-in-cheek it's very cool then we get into the 1920s and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Hmm. Does, you, does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, but o- only because um, what's his face uh, referenced it. In a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. It's, it seems after having I did not know about it prior to doing this research. It seems so obvious now that it is the beating heart DNA of horror film and frankly a lot of our modern filmmakers. It's German expressionist. It is basically the story of a mad scientist who has a man um, sleepwalker, he is hypnotized. Yeah. The man he's hypnotized looks like Edward Scissorhands meets the <laughs> Sandman. I mean, dead oh. ringer for this guy, just sure, like sure, dark sure. black hair. Yeah. And he, um, you know, walks really slow, very eerie way of moving and like strangles and kills people at the behest of this mad scientist. And Tim Burton, you can see Tim Burton in this. The, hmm. Even just the way the sets, the like if you watch Beetlejuice immediately after seeing um, the do- cabinet of Dr. Caligari, you're like, it's almost a ripoff. Like Tim Burton almost ripped this off. Not, not the story, but like the sets and the, cr- and the way it's very, very, very cool. I'm going to have to actually watch it. Cause he mentioned it. I'm like, to. Oh, that's interesting. And I mean, I wasn't gonna, but yeah. Oh, and you have to, and the, and the score is great. Even the text of the f- font, cause it's a silent film that oh. the text of the font is like jagged and crazy. Hmm. And the music goes along, like as you're reading it, girl, I, <laughs> you talked about jumping from a book, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari had a jump scare that got me i'm watching it on my laptop i'm doing research for this thing i'm like you know oh cute i'm totally dismissive a little silent film and you know what i mean it's the chi- it's the thing and i oh like <laughs> it was great it was it's really fun and scary worth a watch okay i'll have to check it out um we're moving on to the 1930s are you prepared to move on to the 1930s yes I know it feels sometimes everyone needed to buckle up because, of course, if we're talking about the zeitgeist of the time, the stock market crashes in Mm. 1929. Um, Their fascism is starting to rise in Europe, and we are kind of aware of all of these things. Gangster culture is starting to rise up, and and it's that is in the stew, right? Mm -hmm. And this is when we get um, in the first part of the 30s our most beloved, most long enduring 
Universal Monsters. You get Dracula and Frankenstein in 1931. You get The Mummy in 1932. Hmm. And you get The Invisible Man in 1933. I haven't seen that one. And I was a uh, backlot tour guide as you know, at Universal Studios Hollywood, the entertainment capital of L.A. And one of my favorite things is going through those old monster lots on the trams, the old like sets of all of these old monster movies. And the Spanish-language Dracula was filmed in 1931 on the exact same sets. They would film the English-language version during the day, the Spanish-language <laughs> version at night. And I watched them both and I, with all love to Bela Lugosi. Um, the Spanish-language Dracula is scarier. <laughs> He's a little spookier. He's a little scarier. <laughs> what? Whatever it's worth. I, I, they're acting. It's just there's an intensity. And so it seems like the English language version, maybe because I've seen it so many times, has like this much more camp. Mm. And the other one just leaned into ominous. And so it was more scary. Ola. But they look ah, ola. Ah, ah. You. Yeah. Um, it is fantastic. But then here's what happened. Son of a bitch. We got all these great fucking movies. People are loving them. We've got film is going out all these places across the United States. And everyone's loving these movies. And that's the problem, right? Because why are we having all these screaming half-naked women, scary demonic monsters out there in America's towns? As you know, we still don't roll great mm. with the stuff that Hollywood mm. puts out. So they come up in 1931 with this code. Ooh. The code. William Hayes comes up with the code. Is this the rating nonsense? It is the rating nonsense, but it's, it's so much more like the rating nonsense is like the, the normal version of what they started with. Wow. Which is this code, the length that innumerable things that you are no longer allowed to do on film would boggle your mind. Some of them you understand. No swearing. No sex. Okay. We like, they weren't really doing a lot of that anyway. Sure. Um, but they were like, <laughs> but also no um, representations of white slavery was a specific thing in the code. No sympathy for criminals can be represented in your plot. Oh. And nothing quote unquote gruesome. What does that mean? Exactly. Unbelievable. Sympathy for criminals. No, you can't disparage the clergy. <laughs> So just an example of how this affected it. So Frankenstein comes out in 1931. Bride of Frankenstein comes out in 1934. And it took forever. It was like they had to take it down. They had to take all these things out. It was a miracle they could even get it on because they, they took down. They said that Frankenstein had a God complex, the, the doctor. And so they needed to change that because and it was like. Yeah. So there was like this, they call it the drought from 1936 to 1939. We were like, I don't know. I, we don't, we can't, what we are we supposed to do Keep here? making Passover specials. and <laughs> Exactly. And it just keeps going. Okay. Then we hit um, 1940s. Okay. And the 1940s, of course, you've got um, World War II. You've heard of it. I think Germany Pretty. invades Poland in 1939. Pearl Harbor is bombed in 1941. So we get us into the 40s just with this uh, dominating pop our zeitgeist our films our entertainment our mm. everything and um i think that is best epitomized by the horror movie the wolfman from 1941 have you seen this one no it's technically part of like the universal monster canon but you know it comes out 10 years after frankenstein and it's in the world of this code and it's you know so it was like they had to kind of round out a lot of these sharp edges but it's good it's still pretty scary is it like werewolf or yeah yeah wolfman werewolf he gets by he's trying to he sees a pentagram on his palm it's very eerie <laughs> that tracks. um oh writer's rooms <laughs> but here's what's super fascinating exactly so pearl harbor is bombed on december 7th 1941 mm. The Wolfman comes out on December 12th, 1941, the following Friday. So Pearl Harbor's bombed on Sunday. This movie comes out on Friday. 
Wow. So if part of what I'm talking about is how horror films reflect the history of the time, this movie hmm. was written by a guy named Kurt Seidemack, who is a German Jew who had escaped Hitler's Germany just in the fucking nick of time. Wow. And he was unambiguous about what the wolf man represented. He said he saw normal people turning to monsters all sure, around him. Sure. And this is the, a quote from him. It still gives me goosebumps. He says, I am the wolf man. I was forced into a fate I didn't want to be a Jew in Germany. I would not have chosen that as my fate. And the swastika represents the moon. When the moon comes up, the man doesn't want to murder, but he knows he cannot escape it. Wow. And it, is, it isn't as common for the creators of horror to be as aware and as articulate of where these monsters and these themes are coming from. But for Kurt Seidemack, he was, had no ambivalence about Probably that. these days, but I suspect in those days, mm -hmm. they were a little more about archetypes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then 1945, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 200,000 people, give or take, mm -hmm. are murdered by our country in this brand new technology. <laughs> right? Fat man, little boy. Fat man and little boy tends to fuck with... Wow, that was good, right? Because it ended the war. Oh, God, but we're not good guy. And what is this? And what can be done? And this dominates the fears of us still today, of course. So we go into the 1950s hmm. with our atomic monsters. Hmm. And they, not only in the United States, um, but in, out of Japan, um, in 1954, Godzilla. And they were, no, they were not ambivalent. They were like, Godzilla is partly the bomb, mm -hmm. just this thing, this thing, it's nuclear for crying this out fucking thing that's powered by nuclear power, exactly. I mean, mm. they use it in the plot point, but it is also himself that bomb. And some people said that Godzilla was the United States, the sleeping thing that had to be woken up. And when it woke up, it became this, you know. Sure. Um, anyway, it's, it's fascinating. And in the United States, we've got the creature from the Black Lagoon because it's fucking cold. We can't do anything fucking good. It also is a lot of, I was a teenage werewolf. I was a teenage Frankenstein, daughter of Dracula. Sure. Just these watered down. But because TV had an even tighter code than film, mm. you start for the first time getting in the late night those old school movie marathons where it's 1955 and Vampira comes on <laughs> in the late night to introduce the old 30s monster movies and sure. it's kind of funny oh, and it's kind of campy interesting and the reason why that's huge for the us as we talk about the history of horror films is because the some of the individuals sitting on their living room floor devouring this old school 30s monster horror while enjoying the 1950s atomic new stuff that was in the movie theaters include most of the pivotal filmmakers from the 80s and 90s that really created a lot of our horror. They're young teenagers watching all of these movies. At the same time, we're starting to fuck the code because, because we dropped the bomb, because this is post-nuclear world. So we're getting to counterculture. Exactly, and not showing a man and a woman laying in bed together just seems kind of fucking stupid when we've had, <laughs> you know, two trench warfare. Yeah. Like, fucking, why are we doing this? And we're getting hosed because the UK doesn't have these kinds of laws. And the Hammer Studios in the UK are turning out amazing horror films starring um, Peter Cushing, Tarkin, right? Muff Tarkin from the Star Wars. And Christopher Lee is sure. playing all of these great founding monsters. He's Sauron, of course, from Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes, of course. And so um, America finally is like, fuck this code. We got to try. Were they using 
their actors or our actors? Their actors. I think some some American actors went to the UK, but um, it was largely UK talent, and that was part of the reason why they were like, "We gotta fuck, the, like, stop this code. Sure. If you want us to stay here, yeah, and, and not be giving this, you know, money to another industry, then start changing things." And they didn't repeal the code in the 1950s. They started to talk about it. They started to repeal a couple of things and make exceptions, mm. but it was still firmly in place until 1968. Are you emotionally prepared <laughs> to I, talk about the horror I, films of the 1960s? Let's do it. Okay, so the 1960s, they're tits deep in mm. Vietnam. Technically, right? Vietnam started in 1955. And so by 1960, we are... Are we in this? Is this happening? We're doing it. Yeah, we're in it. We're doing this. Who knows with Kennedy? 1963, of course, Kennedy is assassinated. 1968, Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. are assassinated. And in 1965... Malcolm X is assassinated. Yeah. What this means is that the American people are tits deep in dead bodies all the time. It's on the nightly news. It's in their family. It is in the streets. It is all around them. And any sort of prudishness and like pulling punches and like adorable stuff, especially if it is implied to scare me, simply won't work. Mm. And in 1960, Alfred Hitchcock releases Psycho. Yep. And Psycho, of course, was a book first, mm. like all, most of our favorite horror movies were. Mm. And it was one of the first to turn the public's imagination on what was shattering its image of America, which was the man Ed Gein. Mm. Ed Gein was a real guy from Plainview, Wisconsin, my home state, who murdered, we believe, only one person, but was a grave robber Mm-hmm. who made skins out of his victims and out of the bodies that he pulled out of the ground. It was horrifying. This, this we realized about Ed Gein in 1957. Mm-hmm. And the things he did with the bodies, he had skulls on his bedposts. Ed Gein inspired Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, and mm-hmm. countless others, mm-hmm. specifically because of the mutiliz- mutil- mutilization mm-hmm. <laughs> of, these, of these human beings. It was awful. And Psycho fucked with us man (laughs) what was happening there wasn't sexual it was just violence and of course we in america have always been much more comfortable with violence than we have with sex so absurd there's mental illness i mean it is it it made people it's still such a scary movie Mm -hmm. um and it knocked people's socks off 1963 alfred hitchcock does the birds Mm. which is also very scary but it's not about a person or a monster it's nature Mm -hmm. it's like hey humans the earth itself just wants you dead Mm -hmm. and who knows it come from anywhere now and that you know oh my god and also the idea of like one small thing maybe won't be so bad but once they have all accumulated in numbers we're toast that Mm -hmm. and it was coming from the sky which in the 1960s you know anything that was going to kill you came from up there right you know Mm -hmm. um and of course in the 1960s we've got the space races going on and sputnik has beaten us by like a decade so we're, we're just constantly thinking about, like, what's up there. Um, Rosemary's Baby oh, comes yeah. out in 1968. Sure. Fantastic. Satanists, right? Satanists. Yeah. yes. The Rosemary's Baby, of course, is um, a group of occultists mm. basically steal this uh, the life of this um, Mia Farrow. And she's naive and she's very sweet and she gets impregnated by the devil. Yeah. It's very scary. That's just another Tuesday for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a time for every time I got impregnated by the devil. I'd be like, wrap it up, buddy. Unbelievable, this guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, I don't mind, but it's the Thursday. Um, and then one of my favorite movies, I told you I had to narrow it down. I was like, oh, God, how many scary movies? This movie was also like contender for Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. 
Night of the Living Dead. Because mm, of the zombies. Oh, yeah. And I didn't see it until after I was already super scared of zombies. And I thought, again, I'm kind of a cunt, that <laughs> I mean, that these old, old movies from the 60s couldn't scare me because mm. I knew 80s horror. So the 60s horror was not going to do it. So, like comedy, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's, everyone thinks it's very funny, but like we just won't think that's funny anymore. Uh-huh. It came, it was like, I don't know if the rights expired, like the copyright expired. And um, it was like a DVD set at the at Ralph's or something. And I was like throwing a Halloween party and I was like, this is gonna be great, I'm gonna dig it out of a bin. You know, it was like, oh, the original Night of the Living Dead. I'll put it on mute during the Halloween party and everyone will think I'm very interesting. And I, go home for the Halloween party and I got to clean. And I'm like, I'll just put this on right now because I've never seen it before. Maybe it's super oh, scary. Flash forward, I'm sitting on the couch holding like a squeegee bottle, you know, like a squeegee and like a Windex. And I'm just sitting on the couch and I can't move because it, this movie is so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. And it's so fucking scary. The pacing And I know amazing. it was made in 1968 and the lead actor is a black man. He is the smartest, toughest guy in this whole group, and no one mentions race. Right. No one calls him a name. <laughs> There's not like any sort of plot tension for the fact that in 1968, this black man has slapped a white woman and is holding a gun on a black man because, you know why? Because zombies are fucking up. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Did you know that the character wasn't written as a black man? It was one yeah. of the first roles that Romero was like, yeah. Dwayne. So he, he, the dude came in and auditioned, and they were like, you're, mm-hmm. you're, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, his name is Dwayne Jones. He's like a really amazing stage actor. Huh. And Romero said he was the best guy for the role. Perfect. I don't know why everyone keeps talking about this. Because, you know, people, including me, is like, whoa, mm-hmm. what a big deal. Like, what a statement on race. And Romero was like, nah. <laughs> He's just a really good actor. That wasn't what I was, what I was That's doing. That's amazing. About. Yeah. Huh. Um, and zombies, so scary. And then the zombies kind of slow march us into the 1970s. Hmm. Which, from music to culture, we know everything got a little fucking crazy in the 60s and the 70s. But the 70s was like, took what the 60s did and was like, how fucking nuts can we go? Zombies on LSD. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We can do this. And oh my God, this fucking war. Do you know this fucking war, (laughs) this Vietnam War, Nixon... In 72, you've got um, serial killers. What the fuck is with all these serial killers? You've got Son of Sam, you've got John Wayne Gacy, you've got Ted Bundy, all in a ten in this 1970s span of time. Mm-hmm. So our horror creators bring us Invasion of the Body Snatchers, sure. Carrie, Jaws, the Amityville Horror. Jaws, by the way, also a book yeah. by Peter Benchley. So good. Um, Not the sequel, but... No, that's right. Um, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? I have. What did you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? So the gory stuff doesn't doesn't frighten me so much as it just is a little off-putting and disturbing. But what I liked about the whole Leatherface, I guess, mythology is that you're still trapped in a situation. You think people might help you, but no, it turns out everyone's in on it and you're kind of fucked. And that as a concept is terrifying yeah i mean it it got me i'm not gonna say it it didn't but and it also had this very interesting satire which is like the nuclear family Mm -hmm. mom dad everybody gathered around the table but they're all just psycho cannibals so so i suspect because the 60s in particular were a very trusting time like people didn't really lock their doors you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it was like there was not you know coming at the heels of the 50s and so it's like i i think that this was sort of a pervertation of that Mm -hmm. it was like uh you're like you said maybe your neighbor's kind of a crazy person so you know yeah. Well, exactly. And I think that they're like, 
generally speaking, people weren't aware of how weird weird could get. <laughs> so like if we're in the 1950s mm. and our weird kids in the 60s are growing their hair long, oh God, and they are staying out late and they're smoking grass, mm. can you believe it? And the 1970s were like, <laughs> you think that's fucking weird. Hold my joint. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're going to turn this up. And they did. Um, and the two movies that I'm highlighting from the decade of the 70s are The Exorcist, mm. 1973, often comes in number one in lists of scariest movies ever made, best mm. horror movie ever made, movie that scares you the most. It's like The Exorcist and The Shining. When I was looking at my list, it seemed like The Exorcist and The Shining kind of go back and shining to be fair i'm jumping ahead it's not until the 1980s but that they kind of yeah um the exorcist was uh one best screenplay and best sound carrie was nominated for academy awards but the exorcist won a couple which was very exciting didn't it didn't it not win best score because the song would have been the uh, Ave Satana or whatever the hell. That's they were right. like, we can't, we can't. Oh, that's funny. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about score, but it, they did get sound. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Stuck well, in there. For sure. Do you know, sure. you know how that was filmed, yeah? No. The, the voiceover? Mm -mm. So the, I forget her name, but the... Linda Blair? That's the one. Mm -hmm. So she, she demanded to be tied to a chair. And then she just chain smoked and drank whiskey and did all her lines that way. That's why she sounds so frustrated. And like, wow. Yeah. It really does sound familiar. <laughs> I know that sound. I've had that night. You know? Yeah, I know that sound. I've been there. Oh, sure. Uh, no, it's um, just the voice, too, it's right? It's so good. And I, okay, you want to know how you watched a horror movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, I watched The Exorcist for the first time alone as a teenage girl with my mom out of town. I lived one block away from the local jail. I have no idea what I was thinking. I still don't think I'm right. Like, I, I, I managed to, you know, like, still I still think, like, I'm 43, I have a child. I still think there's probably something up because of that night I watched The Exorcist by I think, myself. I think I've seen that film probably three or four times. And every time I watch it again, something new pops. Because I saw it as a kid as well. And are you Catholic? No. Because Catholics say it's scarier for uh, them. I went to Catholic school. Uh -huh. But the scary thing about Catholicism is the nuns. Yeah. And uh, they definitely—they didn't hit me with rulers, but they had rosaries that were like marble, and they would wrecking ball them to the side of the head. Because I'm an inquisitive individual, and questions yeah. are not. Well, good I wanted for... to hit you several times throughout this. I understand. I think, it, <laughs> I, but I suspect it in a different way. Mm. But um... <laughs> now kindly undo these straps. Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween comes out in 1978, which clearly put the flavor in everyone's mouth that we've been trying to kind of match since mm -hmm. for like the decades. It was like, okay, we got virgins, we got sex, we've got babysitters, we've got mm -hmm. psycho, we've got a, we've got a crazy killer that we don't need to explain too much. We just need to say that it's rooted in evil. It's mm. rooted in an old evil that happened probably in the generation prior, which is very cold war stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We're still sitting here with all of these fears of nukes and whatever, because of like what my parents and my fucking grandparents have some beef with Germany and Russia. I don't exactly get it, but I know communists are bad. And they just keep coming. And Have they, you met them? And they wear a lot of jumpsuits. You know? Who needs that much? I don't know. It's either chambray or jean. Exactly. And the suburbs are death. The suburbs mm -hmm. equal death. Mm -hmm. Sex equals death. And these, like, our rules are coming often from Halloween. Um, oh, yeah. And then, good call. And then the huh. last one, which, which I haven't seen. Most people I don't think haven't. It was 1972. It's called The Last House on the Left. And it is a first film by a guy named Wes Craven. Ooh, who's a nice little porn. Baptist boy from Ohio who had previously made a lot of porn and decided Is to try so? horror. And what uh, if that his was porn's his also super creepy? <laughs> like I can't, I can't. There's finish. only one way to find out. We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Jose and I are gonna. <laughs> yeah. 
watch some of Wes's early work. <laughs> I wonder if any of those models are like, no, I've worked with Wes Craven. Yes. What if I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, that'd be great. That would, that's actually a very smooth way to like introduce, be like, I'm going to take the ladies over to watch some of Mr. Craven's <laughs> yeah. student films. Wes Craven, of course, is like the guy who dominates the 80s mm-hmm. horror film craze. He directed Nightmare on Elm Street, my favorite. <laughs> And the 1980s itself is often called a carnival of horror Hmm. because it was the genesis of so many amazing horror characters and franchises. And that is what we're going to talk about when we come back from our break. Perfect. Hey, campers. This is Bo Hufford. And Meryl Klimo. And we are the Camp Fire Shit Show. We explore the human shit show moments of life, from weird sex dreams to family issues, spooky ghost stories, and listener questions we are definitely not qualified to answer, but we still do anyway. We cover it all. That's right. Sometimes it's just Meryl and I. Sometimes we have a special guest crawl in our sleeping bag and join us in a magical shit showy land. Check us out every Tuesday on all the places you find podcasts. And it's Campfire Shit Show with no I in shit. I mean, like, I do kind of put the, the I in the shit show, but it's like Campfire Shit Show. Oh, okay, oh, Meryl, they got it. A Campfire Shit Show, that's S-H-T. Thanks for tuning in. Good, that's perfect. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, if you, like a brain-crazed zombie, are hungry for more horror, go to our Instagram, at Hilf Podcast, and there you'll see a ton of poster art from the many movies we talk about, and you can get my decade-by-decade decade movie list for your perusal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and while you're there, of course you should... Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow Question, what was the first horror film you ever saw? Oh, I think technically it's probably King Kong mm. because it was the 1930s King Kong and it was on TV. The original. The original, original black and white King <laughs> oh, you Kong. You can still see the zipper. A, yes. <laughs> and um, also cried. It oh. scared me. It made me jump. That hand coming through the window. Like I mm. remember getting, and her scream was so good. Um. But, and then when he, when he died, I cried and cried and cried. And I, my sister and I, cause I have a dead dog thing, Godzilla or Godzilla, King Kong, all these, they're all dead dogs to me by the end of the movie. And I have had too many dead dogs in my life. So by the time, I don't care how big it is, you're holding a paw and watching them stop breathing. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> we burned a few buildings. I don't know why we wow. didn't even. So, so King Kong. Okay. King Kong. Um, what was the first horror movie you saw? Uh, Child's Play. Chucky. Yeah, in theaters in Mexico. Ooh. And I still remember sitting in that chair and being like, why the fuck am I here? This is terrifying. Chucky came out like 1987. I was born in 1986. So you saw it when you were one? <laughs> no, but it probably got a late release in Mexico. So it must wow. have been like three or four. Okay. Good on mom. Being like, ah, he, can, he can handle it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Life is scary, Jose. He'll want less toys. Yeah. Win win. <laughs> One of the reasons why the 80s is the carnival of horror is considered the boom of horror film to this point mm-hmm. is because of the VHS store. Sure. Did you have VHS stores growing up? Yes. Where, where not, did you rent your movies? Not in Mexico. Um, uh, I mean, here, I'm, I'm sure, but I don't sure. want to be like, <laughs> <laughs> why do you say VHS? How did you, how, where Basically, did you go and we, to... we reenact the film. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd have, Maria would hold up a sheet. Yeah. Very, very groundlings. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. how exciting. I wish I could see it. <laughs> no, no. Um, we, uh, we had the Blockbuster in San Diego. Yes. And so, that, and because we grew up risibly poor, and how I fell in love with cinema is that that was the one thing we could do. So my mom would order a pizza. Yes. She'd take us to Blockbuster. Yes. I'd pick a movie. The sister would pick a movie, and then she'd just get the same thing every time. Yes. And then we would watch it, and then she would force us to discuss it. Mom! It was, it was like our family thing. Oh, God. I remember it was 1985. Our family got the VHS player for Christmas. Mm. And it came with a VHS of a Christmas story. Mm. And oh, yes, we didn't awesome. have, we never had a blockbuster in my hometown. It was too small. Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, middle of nowhere. We oh. had a family video, but my sisters and my dad worked in the same grocery store. And the grocery store had like a very small <laughs> video section. Oh. Um, so we would go, we would get in there. But how the v- VCR really came through is that we had cousins with cable mm. in the city. And they would record And it. they would record HBO and Cinemax Piracy. on our blank tapes. Oh, arr. and we nice. would watch most of our movies that way. But when we were lucky enough to go to the big video store, you know this feeling. Jose, you named it exactly. You get a pizza, you pick mm. your snack, and the fear of the movie you wanted being out, mm. the days when there would be a huge release and you would have like the wall of Titanic, mm. they would have like a hundred copies yeah. of the one movie that yeah. was out, but you still had to get there quick. And, um, and horror just exploded mm. along with the VHS. Mm. Everyone knows that taking your date to a horror film is a great way to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's so much easier if you're on your couch in your house doing the, the watching the horror movie. Netflix and chill. That you could, I mean, come on. <laughs> and I remember looking at the horror movie while and just trying not to get scared by the covers of the tapes. Like I never saw Hotel Hell, but I remember vividly the VHS cover of Hotel Hell. Mm. And it was, and we could churn them out and they were making a lot of money. You could major in film in very prestigious universities like UCLA and USC. And so film in general had reached this certain point. Technology had re- reached this certain point. And then the VHS said distribution far beyond the Cineplex and horror stretched her disgusting rotten yams <laughs> 19 <laughs> 1980 we get the shining yeah which i had a hard time not talking about because it's so good stanley kubrick's you don't seem to agree i can tell by your face you just don't think it's as scary as everyone else does i'm gonna be honest with you um no i listen nothing Wait, okay hold on we can tell this story so if you tell haven't seen the shining yeah. it is generally the story of jack a guy with writer's block his wife wendy their son danny um shelly duvall they're gonna go to the overlook hotel where he's the winter caretaker so he can shake loose this writer's block his son has psychic abilities the hotel's kind of haunted wants to kill him lots of dead bodies lots of scary stuff Jack ultimately hunts down his family with an axe y- y- yes so but also not the writer's block uh, he was a writer, but he has a temper, and he was an alcoholic. And he listen. Be- he's talking about the book. Well, I'm just giving you a better backstory. <laughs> but you, you and Stephen King, by the way, both don't like this movie. I know Stephen King didn't care so, for the movie. So that's either. the thing. Listen, and this is an unpopular opinion, and I know that I stand alone in this one. But oh boy, but artsy for the purpose of artsy bothers me. Like, tell me the fucking story. Uh-huh. I don't need you to give me 15 minutes of 
pitch black. Uh-huh. That's silly. You didn't feel that that choice built the suspense no. or made it scarier. You were just like, get it together, yeah, Stanley. Like, Listen, we got the monkeys. Make it happen. What are we doing? Do here? this. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so I also thought that Danny was miscast. We completely glossed over The Shining, the, his ability to shine, mm-hmm. which is and and also we, he, it's just a haunted hotel. He, they don't explain his powers. What is? He's like a battery, and you know, it's like mm-hmm. they didn't explain the the guy in the dog suit. Jose, I'm glad you brought this up Mm -hmm. because you talked earlier about the scary books that got you first were the Stephen King books. Mm -hmm. And when we get into 1980s horror girl, (laughs) Stephen King is the source and the source material for for so much. Just absorb for a moment and the list of scary shit Mm. that comes just from Stephen King. Okay. It, Carrie, Christine, Mm -hmm. Cujo. The Dead Zone, mm. Misery, Needful Things, Dolores Claiborne, Creep Show, Maximum Overdrive, Salem's Lot, The Mist, Pet Cemetery, that's the, one. the Tommy Knockers, oh, the Tommy and Knockers. The Stand. And that's just the scary shit. He also, of course, wrote, or was the source material for, Stand By Me, mm. The Running Man, Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, 11-22-63, and countless episodes of television. <laughs> He ain't done. Like, no. Buddy mm-hmm. keeps writing. Nightmare on Elm Street. The, this is the plot. Nancy, played mm. by Heather Langenkamp, mm. um, is one of a group of teenagers from this high school who are having horribly realistic dreams. Dreams so realistic, in fact, if they die in their dream, they die in real life. They're all being hunted by Freddy Krueger, horribly burned, razor blades... Uh, on his fingers, Ms. Glove. He is the murdered serial killer. Turns out their parents, all these teenagers' parents, had cornered him and burned him alive because he got away mm-hmm. with the crime. Which is so 80s because it's crimes of our parents, Cold War stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It is... Frontier justice, too. Frontier justice. It's girl power, right? And it's just so fantastic. And also feeding into the serial killer love, and it has that sort of campy... You know, kill the babysitter. Nancy's very importantly a virgin. It's fantastic. Now, this list of 80s horror films is too long. It is incomplete Mm. because there were 100 horror films made in 1987 alone in just the United States alone. So I'm going to give you a list of 80s horror films simply because I love them. And because I don't know when or why you're listening to this, but if you're like, oh, I'm looking for a good horror movie, chances are you forgot about a couple of these. If there's one that you're like, ooh, stop me, okay? Hmm. Friday the 13th, which, by the way, of course, from the get-go was a ripoff of Halloween. They even said it. The guys who made it were like, yeah, oh, Halloween did really well. We were like, we want to do that. So they picked a date that's kind of (laughs) spooky. The poster just says, if you liked Halloween, you're going to love this movie. We're going to kill some teenagers. We're going to get a murderer that had something to do with his parents. Done. You know. All right. So Friday the 13th starts in the 80s. Poltergeist. Right? So scary. Children of the Corn. Mm. April Fool's Day. Mm. American Werewolf in London, mm. Child's Play, Fright Night, Hellraiser, mm. Sleepaway Camp, Evil Dead, Gremlins, Slumber Party Massacre, Lost Boys, The Fly, Near Dark, The Thing, Ghostbusters, Christine, Cujo, Creep Show, Prom Night, Pumpkinhead, and Night of the Comet. Why don't you do it again? <sighs> Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, crazy, right? And here's what's nuts. And you kind of raised your arm. So 87, I said, was the peak. They call it the peak of horror films because there were 100 in the US alone. 1987 is also considered by people, pop culture historians, everybody, the peak of stand-up comedy Oh, in the United yeah, States. Fair enough. I don't think it's unrelated that horror and comedy yeah. peaked in the United States in the exact same year. And mm-hmm. one of the ways you can tell is because of how many great horror comedies sure. there are. It's one of my favorite genres. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not all of these were made in the 1980s, but just to give you an idea of the genre, right? Sure. The tension and the release. We just love it. Gremlins, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. The Burbs. I consider Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> because I Sleepy Hollow, I think, and it wants you to laugh. Like, it gives you some goofiness. No? Sure. No, yeah, yeah. Evil I felt that Dead. way about Carrie, if I'm being honest with you. Carrie's kind of funny. Um, Evil Dead, Fantastic. American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. So funny. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, Scary Movie, and Krampus. Oh, sure. Oh. And Krampus brings us into that other subgenre of Christmas horror, mm-hmm. which is fantastic krampus scrooged mm-hmm. which krampus and scrooged have the irony of being horror comedy christmas mm-hmm. that's crazy trifecta but just horror christmas night of the comet do you know about night of the comet uh-uh. oh i encourage you to watch night of the comet okay it's um post-apocalyptic a comet goes by on christmas eve <laughs> and the part of the reason why this movie is set on christmas is because they shot in la and it was low budget and they didn't have the money to clear locations, so they just had to write in all the Christmas shit that was going to be so funny. all over these like vacant streets and downtown. Fuck it, we'll do it live. That's hilarious. exactly. Um, and uh, but comet goes by and it kills almost everyone on Earth, and the one percent that are left are either okay or flesh eating zombies. Yes. Um, <laughs> Silent Night, Bloody Night, mm. and Santa Slay. <laughs> what, what about Black Christmas? Oh, I've never seen Black Christmas. It's a newer one. It is parody. Great. But but I was I was brought to the theater on, not with that knowledge. And I was I kept looking around like, like this are can't, we gonna let this happen? Yeah, I was like, this can't be real. Like, is this a real what is happening? And then later someone was like, No, it's parody. And I was like, You could have prepped you could have prepped a, a fella. But it also anticipates our next decade. Okay? Because we're entering the nineties. Mm. Um, important thing about the nineties. Berlin Wall came down in nineteen eighty nine. So this Cold War monster thing that was re- real or you know, conscious or subconscious, eh, it's kinda done. Like we're kind of the Russians are fine. <laughs> Oops. Um Y two K fear. We're already kind of looking down the barrel, like this isn't just the end of the century, this is the end of the millennium. Yeah, sure. And we don't know everything Y two K was like the easiest way to like quantify how we were all going to die but we kind of generally had resigned to the fact that like it's over we also have columbine yeah special effects get great in the 90s you saw it in jurassic park you see it in independence day and it is also happening in horror and we've seemed to like because the 80s were so fucking crazy great we've pushed the boundaries to parody Mm -hmm. right also your friend dawn is in high school and so the horror films of the 90s are in my, I care about these too. Um, the very first one, in fact, I'm going to talk about is Scream. And the reason why sure. is because Scream is the response to the 80s. Now, mm-hmm. Wes Craven, here's what's so amazing. Wes Craven, who made a bulk or was involved in so many of those iconic 80s films, <laughs> parodies himself and somehow gets scarier. Mm-hmm. It's so, and here's me. Okay, I told you mom's out of town a lot. Dawn loves horror movies. Dawn is 17. Dawn, in fact, identifies with Drew Barrymore more than anyone else because Drew Barrymore and I were born one day apart. Oh. So I was her age in E.T. Oh. I'm her age in Scream. 
Charlie's Angels, hello, she's still a cover girl. So am I. Like, I, me, me and Drew Barrymore. Couldn't agree more. And this movie, we know from the trailers, is about scary movies. Okay, can't wait. And the opening scene is Drew Barrymore, teenage alone, in her house watching scary movies because her parents are out. Oh my God. I already, I already am Drew wow. Barrymore, and now we're doing the thing we're doing. And she gets a call from a stranger. I answer calls from strangers, 100%. And I chat with those idiots. This is 100% me. I noticed when I called her, she doesn't have my number. And you were like, hello? <laughs> I, was like, oh. I always answer unknown numbers. <laughs> Who are you and what, how can I help? And so, and even when he starts getting weird, it's like, yeah. And he wants to talk about horror yeah. movies. Me too. And then he fucking kills her. Yeah. Drew Barrymore is dead. And that's like, well, what the fuck? I went into the movie theater with my girlfriends head shit oh my god you guys are gonna scream your heads off i can't wait to watch you guys lose your shit when you see scream i'm not gonna get scared because i live on horror films basically a minute is i'm in my friend's armpit i'm under two jackets i'm watching drew through like the zipper of a coat because i can't stand how scared i am and they never let me go i love scream love it um and in terms of the zeitgeist it wasn't just me and i should tell you scream by the way if you haven't seen it High school student, Sydney Prescott. She, her mother's died, mm-hmm. was murdered. Some guy's in jail for it. She's alone a lot. And her two classmates ultimately hunt down and murder a bulk of them. Yeah. Wearing the ghost face, cost, the ghost face costume. Yeah. But the zeitgeist, too, is the kids are not all right. Right. Yeah. Scream came out a year before Columbine. Wow. TV is raising our kids. Yeah. Our kids are addicted to these screens and they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. We are drugging them to pretend that they're doing well and that they're happy. And we're acting like there's nothing that serious bubbling under the surface. And we're trying to force these kids to pretend like they're excited about a future right. that is beige and in a grid mm-hmm. and on Prozac. Yeah, death and, and indecision. And the suburbs still equal death. <laughs> That's been true <laughs> since 1940s. If you move to That's the suburbs, you're going to die. Ninety-one Silence of the Lambs, mm. which is a phenomenal film, and it is the only horror film to win Best Picture. And the year that the Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, it also won Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, we were real ready. Yeah, in the nineties to so get that good. kind of scared. And then at the end of the nineties, swooping in, nineteen ninety-nine is the Blair Witch Project. Mm. Did you see the Blair Witch Project? Of course I saw it. In theaters, mind you. Me too. Yeah. Me too. What did you know going in? Did you know that it was... For those of you who don't know, the Blair Witch Project is a found footage film. Mm. The premise, uh, very heavily displayed and, and permeated by the filmmakers, is that this is footage that was found from a group of students who went out into the woods in 1994 to pursue this folktale of the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And they disappeared and no one's seen them since. And we found these tapes and we've just pieced together the tapes to show you a horror film. And it is so goddamn scary. It was a masterclass and it was so unique. And the marketing that they did for this, they had put up missing posters of the people Mm -hmm. all around where the movie was being portrayed. None of the actors showed up at any of the premieres or did any kind of Mm -hmm. press, of course, because they were dead. (laughs) dead. (laughs) There's no music, of course. So there's no score. And it is... 
absolutely shit rocked me. I remember seeing that similar to Scream, thinking nothing's gonna scare me. Yeah. I've seen it all. Yeah. I can't be rocked. I didn't sleep for a week. It was it was done so well too because it had an extra element because you're watching one character sort of go insane and you're like, oh, I see. He's the psycho. There is no Blair Witch because they're freaking out about the rocks. Right. This is a mystery movie. Right. We're gonna learn which one of these kids yeah. killed it's, the other ones, right. right? And then and then no, but in fact there is the witch. And and I love that they didn't really show her to us because mm. had they like in signs remember signs yes it was amazing until they showed me the fucking alien yeah he, I, I liked when he walks by oh terrifying. Yeah. jumped all jump of scare. us everyone yeah, and the th- we collectively jumped and then they showed him and i was like ah you fucked me up what are you doing yeah yeah they should have yeah. left it alone but anyway um no it was done super super well uh it's and if you you probably whether or not you even saw the movie mm-hmm. you probably had from the popular culture the image of that up the nose yeah. <laughs> Cut off, yeah. Girl in a stocking cap, just like I'm gonna die. I don't know why I got it. I can't see anything behind me, and it's just a super tight on my face, and it's just like snot and yeah. tears and super realistic, and you don't know what's behind her either, and you know, and it's what it is is a fucking twenty-two-year-old guy just like scraping a fucking stick on the back of her tent while he tells her to keep going. I mean, but it doesn't matter. This yeah. movie is so scary. Yeah. People were kind of heartbroken. <laughs> when Blair Witch, when it came out, you know, and after it won all this stuff and everyone's making all this money and it's crazy and they were like, oh, we were kidding. And everyone was like, what? Well, it's such an innocent time in those days. You could do that. Like with the ubiquity of social media. Because yeah. they made a website that said, this is true. These people are missing. So did Fourth Kind, by the way. Oh, that's right. That's right. They did yeah. the similar thing. So yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't, you know, I'm in a rock. I'm oh, but you went to the internet. website, of course. Yeah, and I was like, well, this looks... <laughs> So what I'm going to do now is tell you, kind of like I did with the 80s, I'm going to go down the list of great 90s mm. horror films, scary movies. Um, there's the, not as many, but there's a good li- They did good. The, the good 90s son? did good. Is The Good Son on there? I didn't put it on my list, but I will put it in my brain. Okay. I don't know about The Good Son. What's that one? Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood. Oh, fuck, yeah. Because that was like The Bad Seed, like the remake of The yeah. Bad Seed. Yeah. Um, I have Arachnophobia. Ooh. Flatliners. Ghost, It, the TV series, the miniseries on TV is so good. Tim Curry, yeah. Misery, Nightbreed, Tales Hmm. from the Dark Side, the movie. Hmm. Tales from the Dark Side was like a popular horror series, kind of. Tremors. (laughs) Oh, Tremors. Halloween H2O. That is my very first go-to out of the gate. We're starting Halloween time, Halloween H2O. I like Josh Hartnett. I'm going to join you. Not here. You're welcome to join me. (laughs) I'll watch it. You can squeeze right between me and me and my (laughs) husband. Um, this is Jose. He's <laughs> um, Halloween H2O, a seven. Ringu. Oh, seven. Dang. Mm-hmm. Cape Fear. Hmm. Bram Stoker's Dracula with Winona Ryder. It's all right. Hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Sure. Little... I know what you did last summer. Hmm. Candyman. Interview with a Vampire. Oh, Interview with a Vampire, yeah. Blade. Hmm. The Frighteners. Remember that with Michael J. Fox? Mm-mm. And then Twister, which I include only because I want to just tip my head to like what's scaring us in the 90s natural disaster films huge we were similar like the birds did it was like yeah there's a lot coming and like earth like god like everything like the world wants to just destroy us yeah in any way it can i guess in my head the pivotal film of the 90s was titanic would have been 96 but obviously not necessarily a horror film even though it is a disaster Uh, film i would say that there are moments where there are some horizons like it's scary but yeah no yeah no i need but it is the it is the movie of the '90s or Jurassic Park. 
But see, yeah. they seem like they were both in the same decade, but they seem really far apart. And that is in large part because of just what the 90s was doing with special effects and film in general. Like the 90s were a great time for film in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the 90s was sensing it's the end of the millennium and it's like crazy, things are bubbling under the surface. It was actualized very early into the 2000s. We start the 2000s with like American Psycho. Yeah. And like, kind of like, yeah, like something's going on. And then, of course, we get 9 11. Yeah. And on September 2001, hmm. that thing that maybe we were waiting for through the 90s, if, if this is indicating what we were afraid of, it, this is it. It was the pinnacle. It was those two planes into those two buildings. Hmm. And then, the following reaction of just decades of war in the Middle East. Yep. And so 28 Days Later is one of the first movies. That comes out in 2002. Oh, and 28 yeah. Days Later is a zombie movie. It's a post-apocalyptic movie, but it is very psychological, very dark. It really, really seems to ask the question, what are you going to do at the end of the world? Yeah. And, and you have to answer it in all of its complexity. And the bifurcation of the good people and the bad people. Mm -hmm. A yeah. biker, but what happens in this one is a bicycle courier wakes up from a coma mm. and he realizes this highly contagious virus has made people crazy aggressive mm -hmm. skin eaters and they fast. Oh God, that's the other fucking thing with 28 Days Later that really shook so up Don yeah. Brody. Is these zombies got fast, man. Yeah. My zombie apocalypse plan, which is flawless, by the way, shook if these zombies be fast are nothing you, i planned on are you planning out. against virus zombies or or voodoo zombies um 100 virus zombies if okay. they bite you you turn into a zombie okay. that's the rule okay <laughs> and i'm not risking it by the way if you get bit by a zombie i shovel to the brains you and my mama anybody get bit by a zombie in my apocalypse i don't wait around i don't start a timer you're done okay okay well, no, i think it's important we're clear it's kind of a first date speech for me usually <sighs> 2004 saw oh yeah oh sure wow torture porn yeah saw and saw is one of those movies where like you know people are like i love horror films but i hate slasher gore like saw sure, sure you know and it is it hits you in an entirely different way it is coined torture porn the premise of saw is that the jigsaw killer mm. uh kidnaps his victims in these elaborate orchestrated Some games machinations and machina stuff, yeah. yeah machines and and triggers and things that that d destroy your body but also test you psychologically and it's i think the the whole thing behind that was two student uh filmmakers couldn't afford uh, you know, a bunch of students, they could just afford one room. So they just wrote a screenplay yeah. around that. Completely. James Wan, he's mm. an Australian director. He was also inspired by the Blair Witch Project, mm. right? To just kind of do it with what you have. And yeah, yeah, the location, it's easy. You can control your location. But they did get Carrie Elius and Danny Glover. That's so true. That's not true. too low budget. Well, that's but, yeah. where the budget went. <laughs> that's where the budget went. That's right. Um, and then 2007, we get Paranormal Activity, Ooh. which is the pinnacle of found footage. Um, the premise here is that uh, guy's wife is kind of complaining of something maybe like like ghosts or she's just getting bothered at night and so he sets up your standard run-of-the-mill <laughs> anyone can afford this crap cameras to put in his house which captures in the eerie darkness of well, he, the, what these cameras these baby monitor cameras can he, do he was a day trader so he had money i suppose you saw but, that and speaking of day trading this paranormal activity is the highest grossing film of all time no. when compared to investment. Their oh. budget for Paranormal Activity 
was fifteen thousand dollars. What? What do they pay and the it actors? One hundred and ninety-three million. <sighs> and they, girl, they make one every year. Saw two. They made a Saw movie every year, almost every year, from two thousand four to two thousand nine. I was gonna say, like we were like a Saw eight, no, Saw five. Maybe? Saw, and then there's like you know, yeah. Oh, the Jigsaw Killer did great. And Paranormal Activity. There's a new one coming out right now. Yeah. Well, I know they um, they teased it in uh, Insidious, the new Saw. Yeah, and James the, Wan yeah. directed Insidious, Insidious and The Conjuring. All all of those. Those are my favorites. Those, those so scary. For, for me, those were the game changers. Those were the ones that I was like, oh okay, this is what horror films should be. And you know what the Insidious and The Conjuring do really well, The Conjuring in particular, is it really is the coalescence of so much good horror stuff in that it's sort of based on a true story, mm-hmm. represents something that they tell you is the Warrens. real, the Warrens, mm-hmm. and also taking in um, the new technology that we have and an incredible sound design. Good oh, acting. So good. And, and uh, in my opinion, the most important part, they had humor. And it's kind you, of funny. You laughed. And you were like, oh, it's like it was a roller coaster. I yeah. was very impressed with that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and the 2000s, um, in addition to those pinnacle films, we have Shaun of the Dead, mm. Constantine. Mm. <laughs> I included Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> I don't know why. I, well, I saw it on the list then and I was like, Then I demand like, sure. you add Anaconda to your 90s and okay. Congo. <laughs> Done. Put It's inserted. Human Centipede. Ooh. What the hot fuck. That yeah. one, of course, about a weird German doctor who attaches people's mouths to anuses in an endless chain. Fantastic. <laughs> the Mist. Coraline. Oh, I thought yeah. that what Leica and Claymation was doing with kind of horror and spooky stuff is so fantastic. Uh, st- Drag Me to Hell. Oh, sure. And Cloverfield, and of course, The Fourth Kind in 2009. There it is. Oh, it was 2009. It's 2004. Got it. Yeah. And then we have, we get into the 2010s. Now, what's happening here is what happens with all history is we're getting kind of close. Mm-hmm. So I can speak a little bit to the history, but I'm too close to it to do the thing that historians can usually do. So I'm going to have all of my blind spots. But 2010s, I don't, what do you call them? The early, the, I mean, it's not the aughts. The aughts we know, the tens, the teens, it's such a fucking, it's like an, it's like your I'm just glad we're at the twenties again, because now yeah. we can call now it something. Now we can call them, exactly. I felt so out of place in the tens. Anyway, yeah. starting in the tens, we started 2010 in the middle of Obama's first term. And in 2019, we are not only in the middle of Trump, but we have our toes over COVID. Mm. That seems crazy to me. But it makes sense because the response to all this stuff like Get Out came out in 2017. Mm. And one of the things, and that's Jordan Peele's amazing, it's about an interracial college age couple. He's black, she's white. She takes him home to meet her very liberal white parents. You know, we voted for Obama. (laughs) I would have voted for him again. Exactly. And they are stealing the bodies of black people yes. to live in them and make them live longer. It is it is such a good movie. It's so scary and so of the 2010s, right? And so funny. And so funny. Also mm. has t- because Jordan Peele was of course known to us first as a comedian. He won the Oscar for best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Us came out in 2019 mm. and Nope is out right now. Did That's you see the nope? newest. I haven't seen it yet. Neither have I. I hear it people like. Um, Parasite came out in 2019. Yes. That's the Bong Joon-ho so good. best picture. Some people say it was the best movie of the decade. Disclaimer-free genre. So good. Doesn't matter. Um, it's funny. It's That one's about a, a generally a poor family's scheme mm-hmm. to be employed by a wealthy family. It is about race, class, also very funny. And South the Korea. twist. 
the twist. And the twist, they say you keep thinking, you think you know what this movie is. Yeah. You don't no, know what this movie no, is. No, it's so good. Uh, when did Contagion come out? In, I think in the 2010s, but I don't know the exact date. Let me look. If you would have seen that, I watched that during quarantine. I know quarantine. that during COVID, yeah. the movie had not done very well. And then during COVID, it, just it exploded. Went, because, yeah. because we needed to see our worst fears played out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where The Purge comes in. Because The Purge also came out in 2013. Oh, The And that's purge. a James Monaco. If you, oh, The Purge. The Purge, also super low budget. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's set in a crime, a, a not too distant future from 2013. Essentially, it was set in 2022, which is right now. And it's this crime-free future. Kind of seems very utopic, but it turns out that one night a year for 12 hours, that's the purge, and all crime is Legal. decriminalized, yeah. including murder. And we follow it from the point of view of Ethan Hawke, who mm-hmm. has sort of been a part of this home security system that has preserved and kept his family and himself safe from this annual purge yeah. until tonight. Oh well, god, right. so good. Make the decision to save somebody or not, right? Yeah, which is a which is a twilight zone sort of thing. This is not a test. The movie Contagion came out in 2011. Hmm. So that is a 2010 Zeitgeist thing. Yeah, and okay. exactly. So if you think about what Scream was afraid of mm-hmm. right before Columbine. Mm-hmm. And you think about what Contagion and the purge Mm. we're afraid of Mm -hmm. right before i mean you really have to tip your hat to what our horror artists are tapping into that either we're not listening to in other arenas Mm -hmm. or we're not ready Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. right um other great scary movies from the 2010s black swan i spit on your grave cabin in the woods cabin in the woods was fantastic so good talk about a great twist (laughs) and taking the rules right um the conjuring and insidious the babadook I, I hated well, the Babadook. It scared me. I, I it was just, I, it's just because the name Babadook sounds so delightful to me. But yeah. it's not scary. Uh, I, I, get like, it. Oh. I get it. Um, <laughs> what We Do in the Shadows. So good. Hush. Did you see Hush? Oh my God. Oh, Hush Incredible. is so good. It's Incredible. about a woman trapped in her house and she's deaf. Yeah, she is deaf. And she's a writer. There's, and she's a writer. And there's a uh, predator in a mask who apparently knows she's is taking, oh, the mask up and down. So scary. Mm-hmm. Um, Goosebumps, Krampus, Bird Box, A Quiet Bird Box Place. Bird Box is great. A Quiet Place is fantastic. Midsummer, And then I put Stranger Things and Walking Dead on this list too, just because they're not quote unquote movies, but... They fill no, into sure, what we're sure, talking sure, about. No, sure, 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 yeah. And girl, that brings us to where we are now. <laughs> the, uh, I think we can all agree that the 20s mm-hmm. are a horror film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, we know, I mean, however, whatever your perspective is, you can even be like, I'm having a great time. My life has never been better. And it is absolutely a horror show. Between, yeah. the, between the natural disasters, climate change, you know, wildfires, what's happening politically, what's happening mm-hmm. virally, mm-hmm. It is hard not to just be scared. And horror films have to kind of go for it if they're going to, and and help us out. And we're, Nope came out this year. I have not seen it. But I do think that what was happening with like Get Out and Parasite is that we're hearing from different voices. We're not being scared by the same cultures and the same people mm-hmm. that in, in western american cinema well, anyway, look at squid games which is great squill i forgot to mention squid games i've just started watching it i mean so oh my god good. and one of the beautiful things about squid game scary mm. gory mm. and no one's trapped mm-hmm. yeah. the, the, the the amount of time they take to give the victims a choice 
mm-hmm. is oh illuminating it's so great yeah no it's done but well. other than that here's what we've got so far for the 2020s hmm. it's a lot of kind of remake Candyman remake terrible more conjuring more stranger things more paranormal activity more purges more halloweens more screams ghostbusters texas chainsaw massacre remake and serial killer docs so i'm sure that there is if 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 history has shown us what's happening and if the perusal of these previous decades is as illuminating as i hope it is right now we've got some new horror coming being created and written and made by young people who are probably kicking ass and they're gonna get me yet again coming in smug (laughs) to some theater someday being like oh good luck oh what's supposed to be scary about this and i'll end up you know in somebody's armpit do you believe in ghosts no oh interesting no i don't i do believe in complex existence and I do believe in various states of consciousness uh-huh. that would explain to me the phenomenon understood as ghosts. But not metaphysical. I don't believe that the personified spirit of a human being uh-huh. moves around interacting with the living. What about saunters? I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> I do believe in extraterrestrial life. Hmm. I do believe in aliens. Okay. Um, do you believe in ghosts? I'm open to the possibility. One of my many weird jobs is I used to be a tour guide at the Wabashaw Street Caves in St. Paul, Minnesota. They're old bootleggers caves. They were a secret nightclub during the 1930s. I mean, it is this very cool. If you're ever in St. Paul, Minnesota, do not sleep on the Wabashaw Street Caves. It is a cool tour. It's a cool event place. It's very neat. And lots of people died in there. Lots of people died in these caves. Gunned down in the 30s. They have bullet holes in the walls. And in the times that the caves were unoccupied, unhoused people with various intentions would go in there and die all the Hmm. time and they'd find bodies in there every now and again i laid tours through this place often at night often highlighting the scary and the ghosty stuff because that's what people want to see i am a cynic i quote unquote don't believe it (laughs) when you are done with your and people are constantly showing me pictures like this pictures they've taken during my tour pictures that somebody else took there are ghost hunters in there every other week it Mm. is a very very common hot spot And the only way to shut the caves down at the end of the night, which I had had to do hundreds of times, is to start at the very back, work your way slowly forward, turning the lights off behind you. It is cold in there because it's a cave. It's obviously dark, pitch black. I mean, the darkest of dark. Mm -hmm. And sound echoes strangely in any kind of cave, but they're like seven adjoined caves. So like where sound is coming from doesn't matter. Whoa. And so... And I was in there alone, about shutting it down on a number of cases. I often ran out with my heart up in my throat. Do I believe it? No. Did I entertain for a second any of the invitations to spend the night? Uh-huh. Never. Sure. Why not, Don? <laughs> I'm a tattooed redhead who loves smoking dope. I've seen these movies. I'm never making it out of these games alive. That's funny. I will have been dead for hours by the time the virgin climbs out of here. That's hilarious. Um, well, Jose, I cannot have imagined a better way to spend the time that we have spent together. Same. Thank you so, so much. What, tell me, you're going to go watch a scary movie tonight, right? Uh, you know what? I'm going to watch a scary movie tonight. You're going to watch a scary movie um, tonight. What are you going to watch? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you pick what I watch. <gasps> and then I will give you a little report on what I thought. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
I'm going to have you watch a movie I have not seen yet, and I'm going to watch it too, and then we're going to report back and tell each other what we thought. Perfect. Because I came upon this film. It's a 1980s horror film that I didn't know existed, and oh. a lot of people love. It's called The Thing, starring Kurt Russell. Oh, no, I've seen The Thing. You've seen The Thing. But I will watch The Thing again. You watch The Thing, and I Because it's I been will... years. Okay, you watch The Thing. I'm going to watch The Thing for the first time. And I will watch movies with you anytime, Jose. Perfect. You are a joy and a delight, and I thank you, thank you so much for being oh, with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. man that was fun oh and i did finally see the thing and i thought it was great i mean dreamy kurt russell and wilford brimley what uh gad's a fun go watch it and thanks again to jose barrientos for joining me please find him and follow him everywhere except into a dark alley <laughs> uh, we have a new episode every other week and next i am joined by my friend mary whiteside a real life lawyer Fuck the history of the Supreme Court. <laughs> I know, right? Those robes and everything? Mm, sustained. In the meantime, our theme song was composed and performed by Cat Perkins and Eric Warner. A reminder that you can find my sources, links to the books, documentaries, and articles I reference in the summary of this episode or by emailing us hilfpodcast at gmail.com or messaging us on social media at hilfpodcast. This has been Hilf. History I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, reminding you that history is a party and everybody's coming. <laughs>